0: Everybody, it's time to roll for intent with the creators' corner. I'm Trevor, and with me today, I've got Christian. Pretty much as always, I don't, I don't think we have one or any plans to have a show without both of us at this point.
1: Then not at the moment, and it's not like we have people beating out down our door wanting to jump on and do hosting. So the other way, yes, right? we 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 are booked from here to well past Christmas. I know the saying's booked from here to Christmas, but we're past New Year's and we're hitting to President's Day, so.
0: Right. We're going to we're going to have content around the clock. And that doesn't even include the talks we want to have that don't involve guests.
1: Yeah, I don't even know how we're
0: going to schedule those. Hey, we got some free time next week. No? Hey, that's true. We don't have recording next week. No, we just got a blank slate next week, man. It's the yes, first time absolutely. in
1: forever. Let's do it. Hey, I'll be out of town. It'll be great. And I want to tell everyone I am so excited about our guest today because today we have with us for me. This is the voice of Galarian, GM Liam and Cardinal Adventures. And welcome to the show, Liam. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. And I say that because I, I've i been playing role-playing games ever since I was a pup. And when I don't know hardly anything about Galarian, and when I would needed to know some stuff, I found, I think it was like... I think, honestly, probably a week after you released your first uh, YouTube ad about Galarian lore. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is perfect. He has a great voice. I love this guy. He does this great presentation on Galarian lore. And it's like, it was perfect.
2: <laughs> I appreciate that. So
0: tell us a little bit, in Liam's words, what... Cardinal Adventures is about. I know you kind of got a few things going on. You've got different categories within your show, like segments, uh, Oh My Gods. You've got your actual play stuff, which I love. Oh My Gods. I love the deities of Galarian. They're so fun and flavorful. There's something It's honestly what got
2: me into the, the, the system in the first place. Yeah. So,
0: so tell us a little bit about, you know, the ethos, the core ethos of your show, what you're setting out to do and how you're doing it.
2: Um, Generally speaking, uh, at least this is what the wife has told me in terms of uh, the value of a show can either come from education or from entertainment. I would say I prioritize education over entertainment, although I try my very best to be entertaining because nothing is more boring than listening to unentertaining lore jargon. Uh, So... Um, Cardinal Adventures, the idea for Cardinal Adventures actually came from the Pathfinder item known as a Wayfinder, for any of you uh, Pathfinder players out there, or GMs. Uh, For those that don't know, a Wayfinder is essentially a magical compass that Pathfinders, which are these, I guess you can call them like trained adventurers, uh, for those that don't know, uh, they can find their way to other lodges where other trained adventurers are, and Generally speaking, adventures go in some cardinal direction, hence the name Cardinal Adventures and why my logo has a wayfinder on it. But uh, my show, generally speaking, I would say my goal is to educate um, those who don't, don't have time or are very limited in time with the lore of galarian itself uh those of you who've been following my channel probably noticed the length of the videos has definitely gotten a lot shorter that's because i wanted to be able to try and get in a good chunk of lore within 10 15 minutes if at all possible instead of that long-term uh format but all in all my goal is just to educate those uh educate those interested in the lore of galarian uh, while adding some sort of entertaining twist.
0: Yeah, I that's one thing that always has kind of frustrated me about lore-centric YouTube channels. And honestly, the whole idea of YouTube uh, as a content creator's outlet is YouTube is not sent, set up very well for long-form stuff. Uh, it's a little bit better now because you know, Roku's have your, have YouTube on them um, and your TV does so you can pop something on. But like, I, in addition to loving Pathfinder and the lore of Galarian, the, the whole Lost Omens setting, I'm really into Warhammer stuff. And mm-hmm. there's some really great content out there by like Bricky and Wes Hammer and stuff on, on Warhammer lore. But they're sitting there for an hour talking about something. I don't know about you, but I don't do anything for an hour at a time anymore other than record our own podcast. I just don't have time for it. So having a Mm -hmm. nice digestible between 10 to 20 minute chunk that. You know, shout out to YouTube Premium being able to lock my phone while I'm listening to something. Mm. Uh, I could throw it on in the car and listen to it. And by the time I'm there, I've listened to the entire thing and I found everything I want. So the fact that you are very, I don't want to say no nonsense because you're fun, right? You're not That's just true. very dry <laughs> and droll, but you do not go on tangents. You are really good at like getting to the crux of what you want to talk about. You get in, you Give the information you need, you get out. It's not like a recipe on Pinterest where they talk about their grandma's favorite shoes for 45 minutes, and then it's two paragraphs on the recipe. This yeah, is a, yeah. the opposite. You got 80% of this is Laura and 20% of this is fun. And it's like the perfect balance to keep somebody interested and keep somebody's eyes on the channel or ears on the channel. It's great. You've, you've really knocked it out of the park as far as your composition, of your show is. I love it.
2: I appreciate it. Yeah. Like the, my, my whole thing is, um, you know, if I'm going to deliver some lore, uh, mine, the way I always try to think about it is, okay, why do I care? You know, or like what, what could I use as a GM and as a player out of this? Example, like Abadar, I actually had someone comment on my abadar video uh recently and it was like with abadar the whole point of like learning about abadar is like yes you could learn about you know his holy text and all that but like generally speaking if you're gonna play a follower of abadar what you should the, the most important thing you should know as a game master is this is a character who prides themselves in their ability to manage money or the desire to manage money and or wealth or become wealthy or teach others how to become wealthy. That's all you need to know as a game master at the end of the day about Abadar. If you're a player, you should be a follower of Abadar if a your character is poor and seeking to become wealthy or is wealthy and maybe their family is um about to fall out of wealth or, you know, maybe the you know the the famous uncle died or whatever. Either way, like you, you know you only need so much because again, we only have so much time and like as like and this is no Stab at Paizo. As much as I love the amount of content and options you have, the thing is people are trying to look for what options suit them. Um, And game masters need, you know, because game masters are always going to need to know way more than players are. I think we can all agree on that. Definitely. Um, So um, knowing how to administer as a game master, a player who wants to take that option and as a player who is struggling because they have analysis paralysis, which is very common with Paizo games, Starfinder, Pathfinder, doesn't matter, is always a bunch of options. Uh, saying, oh yeah, no, you know, this one suits me. Oh, and that's why that, that one little extra little spark of extra it was what did it for me. You know, because it's probably not gonna be something you read verbatim. I have a rule book that's gonna draw somebody most of the
1: well, and a lot of times, too, these days, you have, you know, you have characters that you're, people have made these characters, but they don't even own most of these books anymore. With, with Path Builder and Archives of mm. Nethys, there are huge swaths of players. They don't even own a single book. So Mm -hmm. their ability to, you know, dissimilate this information and get all of that is almost non-existent. I mean, they have to search and search and search. And and most Mm -hmm. of them aren't doing it, which is fine. It's a game. You, You have the level of fun that you want But that's one of the things I love about your videos is they're, you know, they're short, they're informative. You present everything in such a great way. You have a fantastic voice for this. This is, it's really cool. It's very well done. And I always love, it It shows so much when you are watching someone that loves what they do. Even if we, you know, we've reviewed several things now and you can tell the difference between people that. This was such a passionate project for them. The The amount of detail they went into as far as... And I'm not saying when I say amount of detail, I'm not saying, you know, there's 10,000 words on this one little thing. No, I got you. I got you. But yeah, the the quality of everything they have done just shines through, and you, you definitely are in that field. Oh, I appreciate Understanding that. Understanding
0: what's important and then focusing in on those things is so much easier when you love and care for what you're talking about, right? Yeah. And... I will say, just to kind of mirror Christian's point about, we talked about it on a recent episode, about the way that TTRPG has changed because of online resources. It's not necessarily good or not necessarily bad, but the way that players play the game and construct their characters and and interact with the world is drastically different than it used to be. Oh, goodness. You used to have to read 40 splat books, right? You used to have to. Yep. Just. It is, just to play the game. <laughs> you don't have how to do that anymore. You can load up Path Builder and never read a lick about Torag, and you are now a follower of Torag because you want the protection domain. Yeah, you didn't Izo know it. Doesn't make it even yeah. e- doesn't make it easy either because stuff is spread out everywhere. Oh, so everywhere. you got your yeah. work cut out for you trying to put this together. I mean, Travel Guide, you did a review of the Travel Guide. We've done some reviews of the Travel Guide. Uh, the trade section has a massive amount of stuff on Abadar. That is not anywhere else that talks about how Abadar is managing the silver standard across Galarian, Mm -hmm. the the church of Abadar and how they determine if things have been transported using using teleportation magic and all this stuff about the church of Abadar that doesn't exist in anywhere else.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Including first edition. So so if you're going to be
0: like, I'm going to follow Abadar. Okay. Well, how do I learn about Abadar? All right. Well, I can go to, pathfinder wiki maybe but that's dubious at best
2: and it's not updated it's not updated it's getting there it's it's still got a long way to go
0: <laughs> so like if i'm like okay zon i'm gonna you and like two other youtubers that do it those are who i'm gonna go to if i want to find out some information on zon i mean i watched your zon video recently right if i want to learn about zon i'm not going to start all right, I'm going to pull out Gods and Magic, and uh, I'm going to pull out the trade. No, nope, it's not in World Guide this time. Oh, let me take a look. Maybe it's in this adventure path. I need to find this adventure path. And No, I don't have time for that. You don't have time for that, right? No. Uh, well, no. you do, because that's what you're doing.
2: Oh, that's why I have to do. <laughs> but, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: players, players don't necessarily want to do that when we have all of the other information at your fingertips.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Putting the information at your fingertips in a way that's also enjoyable to digest is so important. Not just for those really deep lore things or like about this one God, but like just how the history of things. I would say,
2: say, now that I think about it, um, I would say the number one thing I focus on, and this goes, this is for me to, and I I would say this is my advice to anyone that wants to create content at all, um, no matter what what kind of what medium they're using. Like, especially with like Pathfinder uh, for a pl- any of you players out there. Theme, 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 theme. Uh, number one thing that should drive your character build and your character in game uh, is a theme. You should have a theme that you stick to. Um, and you can look up hundreds of themes on Google. Um, but uh, it's it's the reason why like, or like like with Zonkuthan, uh, which is one of my favorite intros, the edgiest deity in Galerian. But mm-hmm. um, uh, like his theme, to be honest, is one of betrayal. Uh, he feels betrayed by his sister, Shaylin, or Shellen however you want to pronounce it. Um, but um, like he feels it's, it's someone who is feels isolated and misunderstood that is the theme of Zong Kuthan. Like, I don't say that directly in the video, but like, if you want to make a character who feels misunderstood or, or, or like an outcast, I mean, have you seen nidal But I mean, I digress, but theme is not a is phase, super... mom. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah, no, for a love, it's a uh, theme is super important.
0: And that's something that I really think that Pathfinder second edition knocks out of the park because you oh, can, it. you can stick to a theme and not, absolutely curb stomp your own character's effectiveness like absolutely one e i really dig squid stuff if you look behind my head there's a cool little dice tower that's a crack taking over a taking over a castle my first character that i built in two e took me months because i wanted or in one e not two e. my first character that i built in one e took me months because i found a theme that i wanted and Mm -hmm. i tried to build a character around that theme and it was garbage because all of the feet <laughs> options were trash. I made a Kraken Collar Druid because it sounded really fun. But then you get down to it, and like all the options are garbage. It's never effective. It's going to be outdone by literally everything. I could be a Vanilla Druid and be way better than that. Way better. Even though the yeah. Vanilla Druid isn't going to be fun for me to RP and exist as, uh, it'll be more fun to play as. But in 2E, if you want to be, you know, something weird, if you want to be a... a I don't know. A juggling acrobat that throws swords at people. That's want that theme. Do it. That's a thing. You are not going to be substantially less effective than anybody in your party
1: of the same class. Do it. It's so cool. (laughs) I remember when uh 2E first came out and for you know the, a good year two years there were all of these comments about there you know there was such a lack of third party support and there was speculation of oh well you know they made a you yeah. know such a tight system blah 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 but we have interviewed so many great amazing content creators already And way more to come. But what they've also done is they have made it so streamlined and so easy for people to step into this space and make something that is very well thought out and well balanced without having to do a ton of work because everything is so regulated. You can easily look to examples of whatever level you're looking at to get a guideline instead of having, you know, spells and things that are all over the map. And you're like, okay, Mm one E, how do I balance this 17th level character? And the answer is you don't, there isn't balance at 17th level. So if you're Mm -hmm. trying, you've already messed up. So (laughs) that's the nice thing about two (laughs) E.
0: Back, back to your, you know, your, your show specifically, um, and what it takes to put together a show like this, specifically your lore stuff. What's your process like from inception of the idea of what a a video is going to be to all right, I published it on YouTube. What's that process like for you?
2: Oh, I mean, it depends on... Uh so if my actual plays I just do pretty systematically, like as soon as we're done with an actual play, like my Age of Ashes uh series, I generally will have it out the week after or anywhere from two days to a week after, but that's just edit, you know, mix down, upload depending on things. But when it comes to like my lore content, which is I would say the stuff I I put I wouldn't say I put more work into, but uh, I put more creative work into. Um, I guess the most recent example I could use outside, uh, I, I guess this is a technical spoiler, a little sneak peek. I, uh, I'm assuming you saw the cuisine section of the Lost Omens Travel Guide. Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw, I uploaded a video about uh, one of the... Uh- uh, it's a fish dish. It's got cod in
0: it. I watched the video today.
2: Diabellian. The Diabellian, Diabellian. fish. Yeah. Uh, well, I got enough comments and requests. I actually just finished uh, producing, and it's just waiting for a uh, scheduled release. Uh, I actually did the Thuvian meat pastry as well. Mm. Um, but generally speaking, like with the Diabellian fish... Um, I'm a huge Monster Hunter World fan and like I'm a, I'm a, I love outdoors kind of stuff. I'm, not, I'm an outdoorsman when I have the time to be um, and uh, I love cooking. And so when it came to that uh, and I saw that cuisine section, even though I chose not to do the cuisine review for Paizo officially, I chose the religion section. The fact that no content had been made for about two weeks post like the ability to upload publicly and no one had like made a cuisine video. Uh, the idea came in, uh, so, so about two weeks after. So I, I'll get, I'll get an idea for a video. I will write out an outline, which will take me about mm, two, three hours. Then from there, I will write a script. Uh, that script will usually take me about a day. Uh, depending on how long the video is. If it, the video is less than a half an hour post-editing, that's probably going to take me about a day. And I say I say a day, if I were to count it out, it'd probably be about four hours. But that's just because I I'm trying to make the time concise and clean. And I'm not trying to waste anybody's time because I don't like my time being wasted. And then production... Like actually taking, like if, it, there, if there's video, it takes me more time. If there's, uh, like, like if it's my face actually being captured and there's video, it takes me more time. If it's just, uh, you know, images or whatever, then it takes me less time. But generally speaking, it takes me relatively a week to brainstorm, draft, record, edit, and then upload uh, a video. About a week. That's pretty impressive. That's a, that's a pretty quick turnaround time, honestly. Well, I spend my lunch hours <laughs> writing those scripts, so <laughs> I try to be as efficient as possible. I mean, some like I said, if it's like, like the, uh, the cooking videos, those cooking videos take me over a week, but that's just because I'm actually, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the work <laughs> that goes into making cooking videos. Yeah. I had a friend oh, of mine yeah. that is a cooking YouTuber and,
0: uh, he spends a lot of time, he's on hiatus right now because he's in the middle of a move, but, you know, he would do things months in advance and we'd get to see the previews and stuff of all the mm-hmm. stuff that he's doing. And, you know, all of the time and money that he put in just to get lighting right and his camera angles and stuff.
2: Yeah, and mine are nowhere near as high produce. Yeah, no right. way. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's honestly still a really good turnaround time. From us, from the time that we record an episode to the time that it gets posted is usually about four weeks, but that's because we that's because we budget that much time. We record seven to eight weeks in advance of of episode releases. So I can't imagine a week turnaround time on No
2: So and that's the thing with my um with my I, I guess I'll just mention it now, my Abomination Vaults podcast. And my Quest for the Frozen Flame podcast uh, coming out soon. We've already started going into production two weeks ago for both of those podcasts, and they're not releasing until November 25th. So I feel you on that. Like I'm giving myself plenty of padding. Absolutely. We had
0: 12 episodes produced for our Abomination Vaults podcast before we released the first one. I, I feel that. So,
2: yeah. I feel that.
0: I, Absolutely. yeah, that, that level of stress. It worked out well because we had a cast member get a car in a, in a vehicle accident like a couple oh, weeks no. after we launched and <sighs> he couldn't record for like six weeks. So I, if we hadn't have done that, we would have been mm-hmm. up a creek. I can't imagine. Yeah. Uh, not yep. having multiple weeks of content in advance. I, I would, I would be awake at night.
2: Yeah. That actually happened to me with my Age of Ashes that, um, And why I fell behind, I actually got to a point where I fell behind. Like if you look at the timestamps of like my Age of Ashes stuff, and there's even like a legitimate gap of videos because you know I had a player had to leave, two players had to leave, and it was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? I'm I'm just not going to record it anymore. And then I made this like, what happened in between? And it was just like, oh yeah, man, like stuff happens. It's how it goes. But um, you know, you know, train keeps a rolling, but uh. No, I, I, that, that actually happened with me with my Age of Ashes and why I'm choosing to record far in advance for my Absolutely. Abomination Bolts and Quest for Frozen Flame. When's that official release date? November 25th. You said that. I'm so sorry. That's okay.
0: No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I remember you said November. Didn't catch the date. That's right. I'm sure okay. the listeners did, and they're like, Trevor, you idiot.
2: Come on,
0: dude. Right? <laughs> Listen. Gosh. Yeah, uh, I would, I would, I'm looking forward to hearing that one. So whenever you
2: get to it, Shoot, you have me, a, shoot me you a message. Have, you, you said you have Abomination Vaults up? Yep.
0: We are a year into an Abomination Vaults podcast. Oh,
2: okay. I need to, I definitely need to
0: listen to that. Yeah, too. man. Come on by our Discord. Chat it up. For sure. For sure. Have good time.
2: No, one thing I will definitely say, uh, I, I, I could imagine, oh, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't want to listen to Abomination Vaults since you've been running it and all that. I will say the Questler Frozen Flame, I'm actually. Uh, getting some special love from Steve Glicker from Roll for Combat because we are, or I'm using um, the monster parts system from their, um, from their, uh, What's that? Oh my gosh. What's that Battle book Zoo called? Besties. Battle Zoo yeah. Yes, Battle Zoo. Thank you. We um, just recently
0: did an interview with another podcaster that is using that monster parts system and my recommendation was it's, it's great for Quest of the Frozen Flame because there's nothing to buy. That's yeah. what I'm saying.
2: If you just use the full variant and you don't, like the only gold you worry about is the value of the monster parts. It is a 10 out of 10 system. It is so good. I get, and I know we've been, we haven't, the the players haven't, Used it so far because we haven't gotten to a point where like they could like stop and craft or whatever. um But like they're they're super excited for the system because they're like we don't have to track gold. I'm like nope. All you gotta do is track these monster parts. They have a gold value, but it's all you gotta do is track monster parts. Like this is great. <laughs> so, I keep holding well. out on buying
0: that book, and it, I guess it's time. I've I've been told by enough people to buy it. I got to do it now.
2: If if anything, I would say finally got me liquor. Outside of, the, uh, outside, of the, um, outside of the monster part system, I think the thing that sold me on it was the monster mage archetype. That is one of the most creative archetypes I've seen come out of a third party so far. Um, quick rundown. You start with a token um, or you collect monster tokens from monster kills you get. So essentially you build like you you start with one token which has a cantrip tied into it uh it's and whenever you kill a monster that has an innate spell you can you make a token out of the creature add it to your token collection and that is how you build your spell book oh it's pretty rad it's super cool i was like that is it's like highlander man yeah it's super creative i was like why isn't this? Why wasn't this the thing before? This seems like a no-brainer. Like this is, oh man, killer. And we kind of joked oh, on yeah. the
1: interview uh, we did uh, a little bit ago too about how you know. Well, first of all, you know, Battle Zeus kind of almost Paizo, as many Piso people <laughs> as working on these projects,
2: anyways. Oh, it's cypher there. Yeah, it's Mark cypher. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, right? right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's, absolutely. I
0: gotta get him on here eventually, man. It's gonna happen. Good I'm gonna luck. grab him.
2: Good right? luck, right? He's in high demand. He, he I mean, he, he's very in high demand. Steve, Steve paid good money to put Mark on his team. Yep. Absolutely, <laughs>
0: so. I would love to. I would love to sit down and talk to him for a little bit.
1: And I would definitely say, you know, the Monster Part system rolls so well into Quest for the Frozen Flame. Just also, it's the biggest gripe I hear about the adventure is the complete lack of you know places for characters to actually buy equipment.
2: I remember looking in the book. Um, uh, or when I, was, when I was looking through and I was like, where's the, is there any plus one striking gear? Like, where's the, where's like the weapons and stuff? The first plus one striking gear you can get, like the earliest one you get is at level seven. Oh, no. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. okay, hold no, on. It's bad. We need, we need, we need to, we need to talk about this. Like, I was like, oh, I was like, there's got to be a reason for it. But I was like, nah, I'm just going to use monster part system and automatic bonus progression. Because automatic bonus progression is so clean, it's such a such a clean variant rule, uh, in my opinion. But I haven't um, used it, but I'm interested in it. For for I don't generally use it, but for Quest for the Frozen Flame, it I was like it just made like I because I looked at. Okay, are they not using APB because the monsters aren't as difficult, or why is that? And it was like, no, the monsters are still very difficult. Uh, you know, I was like looking at the encounters, like no, they're 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 not pulling punches. You know, it's an AP, which uh, that's one thing I will definitely say about second edition adventure paths compared to first edition adventure paths. They are not pulling punches. Oh, no. In these adventure paths in second edition. Like, they show you that brutal scale of what a severe encounter means when you're below fifth level. Severe is terrifying. When you're below fifth level, like, it is brutal. You know, unless you just roll we, out num- insane numbers. We
0: recently, uh, we recently had one of those in a recording. And uh, it's mm-hmm. one of the few times that the parties had to run screaming because in the first round, uh, somebody was almost gone. It was. Yeah. It was bad.
2: Yeah, yeah. Same same thing actually happened. In like the it was my third the third episode we recorded for, because uh, for my my Abomination Vaults we're chopping like basically we do a recording session and then that's about four hours long but that's you know with breaks and stuff and then we cut that in half and then we make two episodes out of that and it was our third episode for Abomination Vaults. I had just gotten the commissioned art in for their characters so they're like oh this is cool This is what my character looks like and you know so it kind of you know t- rooted them more and you know made them feel more attached to their characters and th- that one of the characters almost got one-shotted from um one of the creatures on the second floor or the first floor of the dungeon underneath the like keep and uh that thing was just like pow And it was like wait is that double your hp and you're just like Two Hit points shy of double my HP. That would have literally oh one shot you. That would have literally one shot you. Uh, I was like, wow, that was really close to it. And it was, they're like, well, w- would you have like rolled back time or how would you have done that? I was like, well, no, uh, you would have no. had to make a new character. <laughs>
1: so. It actually does kind of amuse me a little bit. I, it, I don't know what it is about TTRPGs, but most players, Retreat is not an option. They're like, nope, this it's thing is like a video game. It's like, no, we're mm-hmm. going to beat this. This is here. There's we no auto save, guys. This. Yeah. No quick save. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah th- those players need to go, like I say, uh, you know, um, before, I- I'll just say before I came to this interview, I was playing classic World of Warcraft uh cuz we're about they're about to release the Wrath of Lich King and that's one thing I, I definitely uh miss about like it, it 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 in a way it feels like a TTRPG because you know you can't go around just you know swinging wildly like you'll get wrecked and a lot of it's so yeah. funny cuz a lot of these uh you know a lot of younger people that are like oh I'll try classic World of Warcraft cuz people say it's hard it's, it couldn't be that hard and it's like no no we're back like, you know, you can't just, you know, go in willy nilly. And that's something that uh, new players or you know, like people that are new to tabletop role-playing games are learning about Pathfinder 2nd Edition. It's like, you do not roll in guns blazing. Not every single encounter, you know, if things go wrong, there is no shame in retreat. <laughs> there is no shame in retreat. Discretion is the better part of valor. Yeah. <laughs> Live to fight another day, man. Live to fight another day.
0: Well, Liam, where, where can our, where can our listeners find out more about you?
2: Uh, well, YouTube, uh, well, YouTube, uh, Cardinal Adventures. Um, I think, I think it's, I always forget what the link is. It's youtube.com slash R slash Cardinal Adventures or slash C slash C uh, slash Cardinal Adventures. Mm. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I have a discord and links to that are, um, in pretty much every YouTube video I've ever posted. Uh, so if you want to message me or you have questions or want to know how I rule something or or want to lore flavor twist on something, just shout me out. Well, thank you so much for taking the
0: time to sit down with us. Really looking forward to uh, hearing your quest for the Frozen Flame and Abomination Vaults podcast coming on November 25th.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, if you got, ever got anything new or something coming up that you want to
2: talk about, you be sure to hit us up. We, we love having you. Absolutely. We'll do. I'll host you guys sometime. So you guys get a break. How's that sound?
0: Oh, hey, that'd, that'd be great.
1: cool. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Well, for Creators Corner, I'm Trevor. And I'm Christian. And as always, you guys have a great week. See you next time.